You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Merry Christmas. Christmas is this kind of time in our lives where it can bring a lot of anxiety. Some of you might be like, I still got to do some shopping tonight when this place gets done. You might think you got some people worries about tomorrow or you got some details in your head that you're just like, man, I don't know why, but Christmas brings anxiety out of me and life brings anxiety. And today I want to talk with you about the light that brings peace to our anxiety. About 20 years ago, when my kids were little, they were maybe like six and four and three, we were at a church in Southern California. It was a very large church and they had multiple Christmas Eve services. And it was the tradition of that church that during the Christmas Eve service, they would have a family come out and they would have the children of a family recite the Christmas story. Well, about four days before Christmas Eve, we got a call on my phone that said, hey Dave, um, you know we have this family come out and they, they recite the Christmas story and I say, yeah, and they say, you know what? we've got a problem. They dropped out. Do you think that your kids could recite the Christmas story in front of all the people in four days? And I call up my wife and I said, hey, they just asked us to do this and I don't think we should do it. And, uh, you know, so I'm saying like, "Mm, no. And she's like, yes. And guess who won? (laughs) So in four days, my little kids, they don't even read yet, but they started to memorize Luke 1, 1 through 20. And you know as a parent, if you've gone to like a pageant or a play at school or your kid has had a part in something that they're performing and and you're watching as a parent, there's hardly anything more anxious than watching your kids perform on an event like that. And so I'm right there and I'm thinking like, how is this going to go? Because you just don't know, you know, if all this anxiety come up, you just don't know how are they going to react once they're under the lights. Do you want to know what happened? All right, watch the screen. And they are going to recite for us uh, the Christmas story from Luke 2. Would you welcome them this evening? So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the town of Bethlehem. He went there to register with Mary, who was, expe- who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. The ta- when the time came for the baby to be born, she gave birth to her first son and la- wrapped him in cloth placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy, which is for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born unto you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, glorifying and praising God and saying, Glory to God in 
When the angels had left them and gone back up into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who is lying in the manger. When they had seen this, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. But Mary, treasured up but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen and done, which were just as they had been told. They did it. They made it. They made it. They did a good job. And Heather's down below. She's like right at the front of the, of the auditorium. And she's got like little pictures that they had drawn to kind of prompt them with what was coming next. But they nailed it. They did great. And so for, let's say, a 5 p.m. service and a 7 p.m. service, they did fantastic. And then there's this long break until an 11 p.m. service. And you just never know what's going to happen, right? You don't know what's going to happen when your kids get under the lights. I mean, Joshua's there squinting at the lights. And now he's up playing lead guitar. I don't know how that happens, but it just does. Here's why you need this sermon tonight. Christmas is a time of anxiety. But I want you to know and become convinced that peace is a person. It's not a destination. It's not somewhere you arrive. It's not an aura. It's not a vibe. Peace is a person. Have you ever been out of the country where you didn't know the language at all? Maybe you were traveling, maybe you were taking pictures, or you were on vacation, or you're going to a new location. You might have been on a mission trip, and you go to a country, and you don't know the language at all. And so you're trying to order something at a restaurant, and it's very difficult for like maybe the first time in your life to try to order because you don't know what they're saying. They don't maybe know what you're saying. And a number of years ago, I took a trip to Romania, and we were in Romania, but we were, we were meeting with a group of people who came across the border from Moldova and they were coming across to meet with us and we we're going to strengthen the church leaders and we had people who were working with the youth and people who were working with the kids but in Moldova at that time it was a closed country to the gospel of Jesus Christ so they were coming across the border to do a retreat in Romania and we were coming from the states to meet them there and as people are sitting around and talking like I just I have no idea what anybody's saying like I'm watching and when you're in that kind of situation, you try to kind of guess at what people are saying. You're like, I think they're saying this to them and you're watching their nonverbal reactions and you think that you know what they're saying a little bit, but you, you realize I am so lost. When they just start talking to each other, you're, at some point you're like, I have no idea. And fortunately, some of the teenagers who were there, they know the importance of learning some English, and so they were trying to work their English on me and helping me keep up because they could have some broken English. And it, when they started to give me the interpretation about what people were saying, it made all the difference, all the difference in the world. Because finally, I could understand and engage. And once you can understand and engage, then you begin to build relationship. But when there's a communication barrier, it's so hard to understand the meaning of what people are saying. Well, when an angel appears to the shepherds who are out in the fields watching their flocks, he makes an announcement to them that is, quote, good news of great joy that'll be for all the people. And listen, if you got an email and the subject line was good news, in fact, this will bring great joy. And it's for you and everyone 
You might pay more close attention to what's in that email because of the title of it, the subject. And here's the angel appearing to the shepherds. He's saying, I'm bringing you good news, not just good news for you or good news for Jerusalem or good news for the nation of Israel. I'm bringing you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. And you know that what he's about to say next must be extremely important. But we just need to make sure that we understand the language. See, we're going to look at the three main words that the angels use to announce Jesus. And you need to be sure that you understand the language of Christmas because these three words are probably the most important words of Christmas. And if you don't understand the meaning of these three words, you might actually miss the meaning of Christmas. If you try to guess at what the words mean, chances are you'll miss the meaning of Christmas. If you think these three words are just churchy words, then you're going to miss the meaning of Christmas. And so if you take out your outline from your program, you got some things in there that you might want to write down, some things that are just ideas that come to you that you want to look at for later. Number one of the three significant words that give light to peace The first one is Savior. Luke 2.10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And the angels say that a Savior has been born. And this is not just another baby. There's not just another baby who will grow into a man who will be waiting somehow for God's salvation. God, I got problems, you got problems, we got problems. God, I'm just gonna grow up and be a man like everybody else and wait for your salvation. No, he is God's salvation for all people. The savior who had been promised, he will save his people. That's kind of self-explanatory. People are like, what's a savior? It's someone who saves people. That's kind of self-explanatory. But to understand That the Savior is a person, Jesus Christ, his actions on the cross, saving you and me from our sin. But a lot of people think, well, I don't need a Savior. Like, that's for other people. Like, I don't need someone else to save me. I can do just fine to save myself. I don't don't really need a Savior. I'm pretty self-sufficient. But I want to ask you a question. I was thinking this week as I was preparing, and I thought, can you keep yourself alive? Like, let's say you're eating Christmas dinner, and all of a sudden you're your ticker just stopped. Could you, as you're falling into the mashed potatoes, could you say, I just want my ticker to start back up and keep me alive? Could you do that? You probably couldn't. If you got allergic to something and your airway got restricted and no one had an EpiPen and they didn't know how to help you and and you couldn't breathe anymore, could you make yourself breathe? You probably couldn't. You would pass out. Can you keep yourself alive? We can't keep ourselves alive. There's an interesting statistic that one out of one people die. It's hard to get around those stats. So Jesus, the Savior, said to people while he was on earth, in Matthew 10, 28, he said, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can actually destroy both soul and body in hell. And what he's saying is this. He's, he said the same phrase that the angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And at first he says, don't be afraid of people who can kill the body. Well, I got to tell you, like, if someone's going to kill my body, I'm going to be afraid of that. But he's saying, if you have to be afraid of one or the other, be more afraid of God who judges you in the afterlife than simply a person who will attack your rental that you and I all turn in eventually anyway, our body. He's saying, 
be afraid. And we think that means like fearful, like I'm so afraid of God. And the reality is he's saying the word afraid is the, the word of honor and respect. And if you have to show honor and respect, show respect, show worth, show honor, show worship to the one who not only can tell you when to come alive and when to die, but the one who will determine your course after death and the afterlife. So we are not as strong as we think we are. I was thinking this week, I thought, you know what? It's kind of funny because about the best we can do, we can't keep ourselves alive. About the best we can do is keep ourselves insured. But we can't keep ourselves alive. You could have life insurance, but you'll never see it. Because you won't be there if you have life insurance for you, right? It's there to care for the people who are after us and that kind of thing. But best we can do is keep ourselves insured. We can't keep ourselves alive. Jesus said in John 16, he said, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. See, we know as we've looked at the current events of this year, in this life, in this world, you and I are gonna have trouble. There's no way around it. Trouble sometimes, you can see it brewing. Other times it's unexpected and it takes everything away from you. It's like a fire that rages and comes through the town and, and burns the town away. Totally unexpected. In this world, you're gonna have trouble, but take heart. There can be peace even when life is relentless. Go ahead and watch this video. Begin with that breaking news: a state of emergency in California as deadly fires explode across the state. The biggest wildfire in California history has burned across 230 square miles. I'm standing here next to the remains of our house in paradise. There is a grim new warning in the aftermath of California's wildfire disaster. A week after the town of Paradise was destroyed, the number of people missing is spiking. More than 11,000 homes and buildings are now little more than scorched walls and burned foundations. Forensic teams helped by National Guard troops are searching the ruins on foot and by hand. So this is Josh Gallagher, and Josh is senior pastor of Paradise Alliance Church, and uh, some of you have been uh, directly affected by the fire in Paradise, and Josh has been pastoring a church up there uh, for a short amount of time. But tell me your experience, like the day of the fire, what was going on? The day of the fire, we woke up and my daughter actually saw the pillar of smoke rising in the distance. It was out east of Paradise. We lived on the west side. Didn't think anything of it because there'd been a couple fires that summer already. Sure. Took them to school, took my kids to school. Then I went into the church office and I was there about five minutes and I knew it was starting to get serious. Yeah. The sun was starting to be blackened out by the smoke. It was getting intense. Called my wife. She said, let's just pick up the kids from school. Left the office, went, picked up my kids. Went home, my wife was freaking out at the moment. And I was trying to be cool, calm, and collected like we're supposed to be, right? right. And it's gonna be okay, it's not a big deal. I go underneath the house and I get a suitcase because I'm like, okay, if we have to go, let's just get a couple things together. I'm under the house and the Lord just whispers to me, you're leaving 
now. Wow. It went from maybe we're leaving to no matter what happens, we are getting out of here immediately. Yeah. Ran back upstairs, told my wife, we're leaving now. We collected as much as we could, got into our car, helped our neighbors as we were leaving mm -hmm. because there was a couple that had some physical limitations. So we helped them sure. with what they needed. Then we started going down the hill. As we were going down the hill, the smoke just started getting thicker and thicker, saying a lot of silent prayers, trying to stay as calm as possible right. for our kids who are nine, six, and three. Okay. In the back of the minivan. Right. But as we are starting to going down the hill towards Chico, it's just gridlock. It's pure gridlock because everybody's trying to get out and there's only a couple ways out. So we were praying, staying as calm as we could. But then as we were leaving, we noticed a spot fire had sparked right next to our home. And as we were driving away, we had the thought, that's probably it. Yeah. And so as we were driving down, we also saw flames racing up the canyon where we lived. It was in that moment, we knew this is bad. Finally got down, I sent my family to Sacramento here. I stayed back in Chico, helped at an evacuation center, helping yeah. people as they were coming off the hill, just praying for them, holding yeah. them. Yeah. I hugged so many strangers in that small amount of time that I ever have. Yeah. But they were just looking for something. And I was able to just uh, stay there and minister to them. Then once everything was taken care of, I joined my family down here, actually, in Elk Grove. Awesome. Well, how can uh, we be of help to you uh, and other people in paradise just in, as you're kind of looking forward? Absolutely. First, let me say thank you. You guys, with your generosity already up to this point, we've been meeting the practical needs of people in our community through distributing gift cards, and your church was very generous enough to give us some of those, and they have been going to good use. There was one family, they've been living out of their car wow. and we were able to help them get basic necessities mm -hmm. another family was going through some trauma we had a counseling service that we were able to provide for them at the same time and you guys were obviously a big part of that awesome and it's not just the immediate needs it's the ongoing needs right now people yeah. are still living in tents they don't have warm clothing so we're providing them with clothing on top of all of that obviously meeting the spiritual needs as well yeah We've been meeting every single Sunday since the event happened, okay. opening up God's word, looking to him for our hope and encouragement that we need during the season. Awesome. So we've been meeting the physical, spiritual, emotional yes. needs right. and being the hands and feet of Jesus through all this. And some people are going to wonder, like, uh, did your church, did it get affected? Did it get burned down? The physical the, uh, church building? The amazing thing is the actual church building is still standing. It's the second largest structure in the city of Paradise next to the high school sure. that is still standing. Okay. We've talked to government officials, local officials, and state officials. They said, we need to build Paradise around your church building. Okay. So we've been already in contact with them. They want to run a lot of their support through our church so that they want to connect with the church community to rebuild this. So the best of a worst case scenario is the community and officials from the government are saying, if you're going to rebuild this town, yeah. the church community needs to drive that rebuild. Wow. Well, I think that's a great opportunity in the midst of tragedy. And uh, just however we can support you in the days and weeks ahead. Thank you guys for your generosity. Hey, give it up for just what's going on there. Um, I want to say thank you. So many of you call Sun Grove your church home. Whenever you give here at Sun Grove, a portion of that goes directly to helping people in need. And we were able to act immediately because of your generosity to help people. In fact, tonight, Paradise Alliance Church is holding three services. It's called Coming Home for Christmas. And it's actually open 
and they're having services there in the building for the first time since the fire, and, uh, and we were just able to help out. It's so interesting that uh, from Southern California, a, a rich person flew up and went to paradise and gave $1,000 to every single high schooler. $1,000, it costs well over a million dollars of just generosity to give every single high schooler $1,000 and, um, and, and it was just an incredible outpouring of generosity, but we were able to give a lot of gift cards. In fact, Josh told me as we were filming that, and that was several weeks ago, they, they don't need clothes anymore, uh, but like that was a number of weeks ago when we filmed that, he said, right now, while we're filming this, he said, because of your generosity, there is a... Uh, you know, a school that is for kids who failed out of high school and they're pursuing their GED, it's like an alternate school, and they're just trying to get their credential and they got nothing. That rich guy came and gave everybody everything, but they feel like they got nothing. But he said, right now as we're filming the video, because of your generosity, we're giving every kid at that school $100 from you. Isn't that awesome? Just remembering the least of these, even in troubling times, Jesus said in this world, you're gonna have trouble, but take heart that's encouraging because he has overcome the world. What's he saying? He's saying, you're gonna have times where you're anxious, you're gonna have times when anxiety comes up, but peace is a person. It's not a result, it's not a part of consequences. Peace is actually a person. The second word that the angels say, they first say Savior, the second word that they say is the Christ or the Messiah. Luke 2, 10 through 11, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And Christ or Messiah, those words are the same thing. Christ is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word Messiah. And th this is not just a baby who will grow up to try, do your best. Try to be a good leader. Try to save God's people. No, this baby is going to be the solution to our sin problem. He will be the savior. He will be the long appointed and forecast Messiah. It's just not someone who's gonna try to do it on his own power. The world has seen lots of leaders who had who'd tried to rise up and, and bring salvation or bring help to their world through their own power. That's not who this is. This baby born where peace is born is God's solution to our sin problem. He's the Messiah, the promised one from thousands of years ago. This is God's chosen, appointed, the only righteous one ever born. That's why he had to be born of a virgin, born of God, his righteousness, and born of a woman. If it was a man and woman, he would have inherited the sin nature that you and I inherited that makes us just wanna do what our flesh wants to do. But this is not that person. This is the God-man, Jesus Christ, the only one that ever existed and the one who would sacrifice his life for those who would put their faith and their trust in him. He's the Messiah. He's Jesus the Christ. That's why when you say his name, there's incredible power. He's Jesus, and what is Jesus? He's the Christ. Peace is born to you and to me. The third word that the angels use is the word the Lord, the Lord. Luke 2.10, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, and then he gives another description, the Lord. This baby is not just someone sent by God. Hey, clean it up down there, figure out what to do and, and do that. No, he is God. He's God become flesh. 
and dwelt among us and lived among us with the purpose of sacrificing for our sin on the cross. And then he offers us, having conquered death, a gift of life. He's the Lord himself. He's the king of kings. He's a leader. He's a ruler. All three of these words, by the way, have been used by Roman people when they would take a person and they would nominate them up into the role of emperor. They said that about Caesar Augustus. When he became Caesar, they basically said, oh, he is a savior. He's a Christ. He's the Lord. But even Caesar could not keep himself alive, nor could he conquer death, nor could he bring lasting peace in a world of trouble. The Romans put their hope in that king. But here I truly believe that the angel's announcement to the shepherd and the words they used to choose, that they used to describe Jesus is directly in the face of what every Roman person would proclaim about Caesar. And they said, no, 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 listen, shepherds, you need to understand that this is the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord the Savior. So what do they do? What do the shepherds do when they hear this good news that will cause great joy for all the people? They do what anyone wants to do. We go looking. So they go looking and they find, and they, they find this baby just as the angel had described, and they find and they worship that baby. Then they leave there, and it says that they tell everybody what they had found. And they didn't go and say, hey, guess what? We saw a big light, and then we ran into town, and we saw a mom with a newborn. Isn't that cool? And people be like, what were you smoking in the fields? No, what they described, they told everyone, the scripture said, what the angel told them. They didn't describe, hey, this is what I did. They described what the angel said. They said, we found the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. We found him. And people marveled at what the shepherds told them. And I got to tell you that shepherds were unlikely people. They were the lowest of the low blue-collar workers in that society. They were the marginalized people. Hey, go watch the sheep. And that's who God chose to bring the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ to and I got to tell you, sometimes you think God can't use you or God can't use your voice. Maybe he does that with other people. But the truth is, God will use little voices. He'll use big voices. He'll use people of insignificant status. He will use people who just can't stop talking about him. He'll use messy people, which is good news, because that means he'll use you and me. He uses us to tell the message that to us, a Savior the Messiah, the Lord has been born and that peace is a person and he can bring peace to your anxiety and the pressures that you feel. Well, here it was Christmas Eve at church. There's this break between services. My kids had already done two services. There's this long break and we have a next service at 11 p.m. So we go back to my church office and we're there in the office. We kind of bed the kids down on the floor and they're laying there on their little blankets and I'm like, okay guys, go to sleep. And so Zachary falls asleep, Joshua falls asleep. I look over and Matthew's like, Matthew, go to sleep. I look a while later, look over him, do, 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 do. Matthew, go to sleep. Matthew, go to sleep. And like for almost like an hour, I'm like, Matthew, you know, I'm trying to reason. Now I'm like in a power struggle with a four-year-old. Matthew, I can't write this down because you don't even read yet. But like, Matthew, let me, I find myself like any parent in a power struggle with a little person. And I'm like, Matthew, you gotta go to sleep. You gotta get rest because you got this thing coming up. And like, you look at your brothers, look how well they're doing. And look at you. I mean, I'm trying to do whatever I can do, right? And he won't go to sleep. 
And finally, like so often we do, and the kids dig in their heels, we're like, okay, whatever. Well, it comes about 10.30 at night, and we finally get the kids up. We're like rousing them. And so we like pick, I pick up Zachary and like put him on me. And parents, you know like when you've been driving around with the kid in the car and they fall asleep for a while and they're deep into REM sleep? Like they're just like a limp body. They're just all, you know, laying like this. He just will not wake up. He can't. He cannot wake up. Joshua can't wake up. So we're like, what do we do? Only one awake is Matthew. So we're like, okay, well, listen, people will forgive kids because if kids, if they mess up, like whatever, right? Like they're just kids. And so I go in the back of the auditorium now, put on my, my hat. That I'm, now, I'm not Pastor Dave at this moment. I'm, I'm just Dave. I'm just dad. And as a father, I've got my two kids laid out on the chairs in church in the little balcony area, kind of right in the back with me, and I'm watching, what's gonna happen? And Matthew, just, he just said to Heather and I, as we were describing, we're like, what are we gonna do? He's like, I can do it. We're like, okay, whatever, right? We'll just have you go out there. And so do you wanna see what happened? All right, watch the screen. Well, we have a visitor. <laughs> a shepherd. Are there more shepherds coming, or is this the only one? No. All right, well, this is Matthew. How are you doing, Matthew? Good. Good. I'm behind you up here, buddy. Can you turn around? Are you ready to go? Are you yes. gonna wait? Okay. Matthew is going to tell us the Christmas story tonight. This is Matthew Flagg. In you... those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that the census should be of the entire Roman world. It was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So everybody went to their own to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the town of Bethlehem, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, wrapped him in cloth, and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds outside in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and they were terrified. But the angel said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great tidings. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, Christ Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left, the shepherds said, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So. So went and found the baby who was wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. But Mary and they shared the good news with everybody. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered 
them in her heart. The um, shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen it were, ju were just as they had been taught. Matthew, go to sleep. <laughs> And I think that night, like, God just did something. He's like, Dave, you got, he taught me something. Like, Dave, you sometimes are so, you're working against, like, everything I'm doing. You have all this anxiety in you. You have all this anxiety about how you think things should go. And if I make them go different, you need to just understand that I'm the one who tells a better story. I'm the one who does a bigger picture. I'm the one who's the prince of peace. And we get anxious about so many things that in the course of history and in the scope of time, just don't matter. Are we resting in the fact that peace is in Jesus? It's not in what you give or what you get. It's in who you give your heart to. When anxiety controls you, and it's hard, man, when, you know, God sees a big picture, but uh, he's the one who knows how to craft a compelling tale the story of your life, but you and I, we get attached to certain aspects of our lives. And if we have a change in our status, a change in our life, a change in our expectations, it's so hard for us because we feel like it's getting taken away and we say, how can I live without that? And then if something comes up, you know, it feels like a major shift in direction. We want to say, do I still have a chance to personalize it? Do I still have a chance to control it? We want to play God. And God came along to say, listen, I became flesh to be the answer to every person's problem of sin. Not just certain problems in society and the world, but every person's problem, which is sin. And I'm gonna grow up and sacrifice myself on a cross. I'm gonna be dead and buried. I'm gonna take all of God's righteous wrath against sin on himself as God and satisfy it. And then he's going to say, if you believe in my resurrection and in the fact that I am the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord, and you give faith to that truth, your sins will be washed as white as snow and you will be saved. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, just thinking about your own life, I just want to ask you right now, have you given faith have you given belief to the work that Jesus did on the cross that that was done to wash you of your sin? And that it's not your performance, it's not you taking your chances after death, but it's you saying, okay, God, in you and what you've done on the cross, I can have hope. And if today you'd like to receive that free gift, see, God's done all the work and he's now offering you a gift, but you gotta be the one to open it. You have to do that. And the way that we open the gift that Jesus offers us is we give faith to him. So he just says, will you believe? Will you believe in what I did on the cross? And if so, I need you to invite me. And so if that's you right now, does you feel this burning in your heart, then pray a prayer after me right like this. Just say, Jesus, today I give you me. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead because you're God. I want to ask you right now to forgive me of all my sin and wash me as white as snow 
take all my anxiety and give me assurance and peace that I will be in heaven with you. Jesus, make me a new creation this Christmas Eve on the inside because today I give you me. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.